If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts, the fourth chapter, or I'm sure some of these verses will be up on top. As we look at this passage, um, here Peter and John get released, and, and they've been told not to preach anymore. And, and how do they respond? How do you respond when somebody smacks you and tells you to stop it? How many of you are the, I'm going to do it again just because I can kind of people? I could have guessed some of those. How many of you comply? Let me ask the question differently. How many of you have ever gotten pulled over by a representative of the state with flashing lights on their car? Have you continued to drive five miles over the speed limit? Just thought I would ask. Their response to the, uh, to the rulers was, we have to do what God says. And they come together and they share with the church, if you can go to the next verse, um, they, they shared with the rest of the church what had happened. And so this, this group of probably about you know, two to 500 people, they, they praise God. And, and they begin this confessional, God, you made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Why, why do you do that? When you go into a time of trouble, remembering who God is might help you to have faith to get through to the other side. Then they, in verse 25 and 26, they quote a messianic psalm. It was a psalm that told the story of, of David there and Solomon and the later kings of Judah having their struggles with the nations around them who even to this day believe that Israel should not exist. And so the question, why, why did the nations rage and the people plot in vain, the kings rise up and rulers band together, not just against our king, but against God. That in, in, um, in being opposed to our king, they are opposed to God. The, the disciples attribute this psalm to Jesus' experience with Herod and Pilate. If you had to say anyone was the enemy in this story at this point, uh, go ahead and go to the next verse. These would be the people, Herod and Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people in Israel and the city who conspired against Jesus. Would you agree those would be the enemies in the story? Make sense? And so, so they name those who were opposed to them. They name those who were opposed to them. And then they pray for them in a way. If you go to the next verse, they did what your power had decided beforehand should happen. So if they were acting out a part... Are they the enemies anymore? Do you think the disciples saw them as enemies? What do you think? They saw them as acting in accordance with God's will. When we look at human agents, 
in the biblical sense, they believed that they were only acting out a spiritual power that was behind them. Does that make sense? You you see it most clearly in Ephesians chapter 6 when Paul says that our enemies are not flesh and blood, but they are the powers and the principalities of this present spiritual darkness. And so the disciples had in their mind not just that this face of enemy of Herod and Pilate and all the people who said crucify him, They had in their mind this spiritual force that had been at work throughout the centuries of humanity, pitting one person against one another, promoting power and violence, promoting greed and lust, and saying, do what you can. Look out for number one. And they're recognizing that that power is what is against us, and that even that power is subservient to God's will. Because that power had determined it would destroy Jesus. And in so doing, would have victory over God. And on Friday, it looked like that was what happened, didn't it? But what happened Sunday morning? When Jesus rose from the dead, in Paul's word in 1 Corinthians, he exposed the powers for what they were. Because Rome said... They ruled by peace as they enacted violence upon the Prince of Peace. This story here, they're, they're celebrating what, who God is. They are confessing that Jesus was opposed and that there were people who opposed him and this power behind which was still subservient to God's power. Go ahead and go to the next verse. So God, here's where they start asking God, consider their threats. Note, they don't say, God, smack them like they smacked us. Note, they didn't say, God, give them a spiritual wedgie. They say, God, consider their threats. Here's what they said. Now, here's what we want you to do. Help us embolden us to speak your word, to speak the truth in love to power. Help us to not be afraid, but to do what you have called us to do. And not just that. Go ahead and go to the next verse. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders because of who Jesus is. When you face somebody who opposes you, how do you pray for them? How do you pray for them? Oh Lord, bless my enemies. Please help them to slip, sprain their ankles so that I will know them by their limp. Anybody do that? A little bit of justice, right? The disciples did not pray. The apostles did not pray for the destruction of their enemies. Rather, they prayed for the boldness of their message and each other. They prayed for healing of even those who had opposed them. And how does God respond? 
a little bit of shake, rattle, and roll. The Holy Spirit filled them again. As you think about your enemies, about the people who you're told should be your enemies, how do we pray for them? How do we pray for ourselves in that? How do we live a different kind of message? Not a strong will survive, not the dog-eat-dog, not uh, this social Darwinism, but rather God Let your love, your healing, and your mercy work through me. 